This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Welcome. This is Gordon Smith, and I'm interviewing today Father Jeffrey Moore uh, on the south side, near south side of Indianapolis. He is the pastor of St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne. Did I say that right, Father? Yes, correct. Okay, perfect. Uh, welcome, Father. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Good morning. Father Moore is a priest um, stationed at a church that takes place at Good Shepherd, currently, uh, Good Shepherd Parish, but it's a church within a church. Is that a correct assess assessment there, Father? I, I guess you could say it's a church sharing a property with another parish, yeah. Right. right. And you are a little different than um, some priests um, mm -hmm. because you are a married priest. Correct. You are a priest that is in the ordinariate of St. Peter. Mm-hmm. So explain a little bit about that, just so we get started out on the right track, please. Okay. Well, the ordinariates around the world were founded by our recently passed Pope Emeritus, Benedict. Um, he started three ordinariates for former Anglicans, uh, the first in England, obviously. Uh, then the next was in America, and then the third is in Australia. So the one in America, you're... You are under a bishop out of Texas, right? Who's your bishop? Yes, well, uh, Bishop Stephen Lopes is actually formerly of uh, San Francisco, and then he worked in the Vatican uh, in the CDF um, for 16 years, I believe. Um, and then, uh, af well, and he was kind of instrumental in, uh, he was behind the scenes in the formation of the ordinariates, and then when it uh, came necessary to appoint us a bishop after our first ordinary retired, um, he was chosen because of his, I think, because of his knowledge, and, um, and it's been wonderful. Well, that's interesting that you are um, sta stationed here in Indianapolis, mm -hmm. and you have to um, uh, also talk to the, our local archbishop here, but you are really under the bishop. Bishop Lopez in yeah. Texas, and if you go into the website for the Ordinariate of St. Peter, you can see that there are uh, over 200 parishes yes. in the country right. that are under this bishop. Right, yeah, and it's uh, not just America, but Canada as well. That's very interesting. We have a board member that of Catholic Radio that is a deacon. You want to talk about... Um, Lee Ashton? Yes, uh, Lee is a member of my community. Uh, he was recently ordained deacon. Um, he had um, started this process a while back, and then uh, when I was moved up here, uh, it was restarted. 
and uh, he already had his degree, so they kind of uh, put him on the fast track, I guess you could say. Um, and he was ordained just this last year. Uh, and it's been great having him because um, he, he was really instrumental in um, kind of fostering this community to a point where the bishop said, okay, I guess I'll send you a priest. Okay, so the community is, um, it's Roman Catholic, it's under the Roman Catholic Church. That's right. It is very similar to um, any other um, English-speaking mass you'd go to, but it has differences as well. Could you explain some of those differences, Father? Yes, well, when when Benedict started the ordinariates, um, the document he created to announce it, Anglicanorum Cerebus, you know, talked of our patrimony coming with us. So it's not just people, converts coming into the church, but we're bringing our patrimony as well. And, of course, we talked a little bit about that before the show and how the the language is similar but different. Um, Some of us in the ordinariate would call it prayer book English. Um, It is a beautiful form of language, it's not quite Shakespearean because it's not uh, that far removed from what we would be used to, but there is a lot of these, thys, thous, um, and just a different way of speaking. I've heard it described as uh, almost a Latin mass, but in English. Yes, that, that's the easiest way to describe it. Um, some of my fellow priests might cringe at that kind of description, um, but it's just simply easier to help people understand what it is, because we, we do a lot of the things that they would do in the old Latin Mass, uh, facing east, ad orientum, uh, priests and people all facing the same direction for the prayers, um, communion, on the tongue, kneeling. Uh, it, it, so yes, there, there are some similarities, uh, but of course there's some differences in the fact that we have extra prayers. Um, the uh, penitential rite is in the middle of the Mass instead of the beginning, and, and so forth. Very good. Now, we've been talking to Father Jeffrey Moore today. Uh, he is at uh, St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne, which meets at Good Shepherd Parish uh, on the near south side of Indianapolis, near Troy, and um, what's the cross street? Shelby. Carson? Shelby. Carson Shelby. Right. Yeah. And uh, you are married and you have children, yes. so that's a little different because right. you are a convert to the Catholic faith, correct? Yes, that is correct. I am a convert. I started off Baptist, Southern Baptist in North Texas. So, Father, you were telling us about your conversion uh, from Southern Baptist in Texas. Yes, so. that's correct. I grew up Southern Baptist, um, felt called to go to seminary, actually, at a young age after I was baptized. Uh, that didn't make sense to me because I did not want to be a Baptist preacher. Um, but then going on later in life, met my wife, got married. We became Episcopalian. Uh, some people might say it was because I was Baptist. She was had been raised Catholic at least for 13 years. Uh, but really, I, I think it was my uh, discovery of C.S. Lewis that brought me into the Episcopal Church because um, I knew he had been Church of England, Anglican, same thing as Episcopalian, and once I, uh, man, once I joined the Episcopal Church, it was, this is, this is a, this is powerful. It, it was the first time in my life, that first Sunday 
the second Sunday of Advent, 1997, the first Sunday in my life when I couldn't wait to go to church the next Sunday. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, and a lot of part, of, a lot of that was just the time of my life. I guess I was ready for it. But the the priest there at, funny enough, Good Shepherd Episcopal Church in Wichita Falls, um, he was just wonderful. He and I became friends. He's actually the godparent for my oldest daughter. Uh, he and his wife are, are godparents. And uh, and funny enough, now he too is a Catholic priest. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So. You've drawn many people into the Catholic faith. He, he was on his own path, but uh, yeah, he came He came in just shortly after I did. Uh, he had some difficulty in his own diocese of getting ordained because they they had no experience up in, um, he's in somewhere in Connecticut, I can't remember which diocese it is, and so it took a while, but yeah, he is a Catholic priest, and he's just a wonderful man. So you mean they, in that area, the Catholic Church wasn't used to right um, in texas where i'm from where where i'm from in texas there was many converts many Uh, i was in the episcopal diocese of fort worth and the catholic diocese of fort worth had had at that point nine men who had come over from the episcopal church because the the episcopal church of fort worth was very conservative but you know, they knew there was something lacking, and a lot of men came over. And so uh, Bishop Kevin Van, <laughs> oh, the poor guy, uh, he got a, he got a consecrated bishop, and the first thing he had to do is uh, deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I, I think his pastoral, um, what do they call it, committee, uh, didn't want any more married priests, and so they sent me to San Antonio. <laughs> I see. San Antonio. And San Antonio's been in the news a lot lately, um, but that's a whole different story. I won't go there. Um, I'm interested at what point your um, Episcopal background mm-hmm. saw shortcomings. What what turned the corner for you okay. uh, to become Catholic? A lot of things. Um, I, once I got to uh, seminary especially, I started learning more and more about the Catholic nature of the Episcopal Church. Um, but it was after I was ordained, things really started happening. Uh, the key factor was uh, getting ready for a mass, a weekday mass in the Episcopal Church, the uh, reading from the gospel was John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus praying, may they all be one, Father, as you and I are one, so that the world may believe. And, um, and just realizing, like, hit me with the two-by-four, you know, uh, that I wasn't a part of that unity that Christ prayed for. Right. And um, I'm thinking now your avocation, your vocation at the time was Episcopal, and you're thinking about becoming Catholic, Mm -hmm. um, and you didn't become a priest right away, or did you? No, it it was a process. Um, As I said, I converted there in Fort Worth, Texas, and I bugged Bishop Van for a year (laughs) about starting the process. Uh, At that point, yeah, he did send me down to San Antonio, but it was altogether, it was about three years it took for me to get ordained. And that had to take a lot of guts on your part because it was not only um, a vocation, 
um, but it was an avocation. You were getting a paycheck, and, and suddenly you probably yeah. didn't have quite as many friends. Well, that's true. And, of course, we can't forget uh, my wife either because oh. uh, the guts it takes for her to do that. For sure. Um, now. And children. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it. when I first told her that I wanted to become an Episcopal priest, you know, with her upbringing uh, in the Catholic faith, it, it, that really confused her. And uh, she, at first she did not want to do it. Um, and then, so that kind of put me off a little bit of telling her that I wanted to become Catholic because I didn't know what was going to happen. I just taken her through this whole process of, you know, getting accepted into seminary, moving to Wisconsin, going to seminary for three years, um, and then coming back to Texas and getting ordained and everything was, you know, finally starting to settle down. And I was like, oh, great. Now I need to tell her I think I need to be Catholic. And so I did what any um, courageous man would do. I waited until we were in bed and the lights were off so she couldn't punch me. <laughs> Good move. Yeah, Good so move, I, yeah, I just, I told her, you know, I need to tell you something. And she said, okay, what's that? And I said, I think I'm supposed to be Catholic. And she simply said, yeah, me too. Oh, God bless her. God because bless her. at that time, one of her very saintly grandmothers had died. And that's at, uh, around the same time that uh, John Paul had died too, uh, and and so she two thousand five, yeah, and so she she um, felt like her grandmother was praying for her to come back into the church, and she felt like when John Paul died that her own father had died, who she was estranged from. We're going to come back to that in a minute. I'm interviewing today Father Jeffrey Moore from St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne Parish on the near south side of Indianapolis. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. The first radio station signed on back in the 1930s. And wow, people could get news without having to wait for the next day's newspaper and hear great entertainment right in their living rooms. Uh, But then in the late 40s, television came along. And since it could add visual content, well, that would probably kill off radio. But it didn't. In the 70s, satellite radio, 8-track tapes and cassettes, and the Walkman came along. Surely one of these would kill off radio. But they didn't. Now there's streaming on computers, podcasts, Alexa, and smartphones that put the world at your fingertips. And you know what? Radio is still here. In fact, a recent survey of people aged 18 and up showed that on a monthly basis, radio reached more people than television, including time-shifted TV. And for audio programming, more people than smartphones, PC, Alexa, or tablets. When you support Catholic Radio Indy, you're supporting a powerful tool that has the potential to reach over one million people every day with the message of salvation. If you're one of our donors, thank you very much. If you haven't joined our family of donors yet, today would be a good day to do that. Just go to catholicradioindy.org and click on the donate button. That's catholicradioindy.org. And thank you for your support. 
Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. This is Gordon Smith, and this is the Sons of Melchizedek program. This is a program about vocations, and today we're interviewing Father Jeffrey Moore of St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne Parish. It meets at Good Shepherd Parish on the near south side of Indianapolis, so he's within the Indianapolis Archdiocese, but he is really part of the Ordinariate of St. Peter, which is kind of a different faith tradition, um, but it's one that was permitted under yeah. first Pope St. John Paul II, the provisional, right, and then after that reaffirmed by, well, actually, uh, that was part that got you in to the Catholic Church, but then after that reaffirmed by Pope Benedict XVI. Correct. It, in many ways, it is like same Catholic Mass, and anybody is, mm-hmm. that's Catholic is free to come to your Mass, right? right? Absolutely. Now, they can't be an ordinariate, member exactly, but they can attend Mass here. That's correct. I mean, there are certain parameters by which you can become a full member of the Ordinariate, but any Catholic can join to, can belong to an Ordinariate parish. And your Ordinariate meets uh, one time? You have one Mass a week? Uh, What time is it? We recently started a a weekday Mass, um, Wednesdays at 7 p.m., but our our Sunday Mass is here at Good Shepherd at 11 a.m. And, um, and we also have Evensong on uh, Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. Uh, what about Sunday Mass? Oh, su- yeah, Sunday is 11, 11 a.m. Okay, it's 11 a.m. if you want to try to attend this Mass. It would be an education, I think, uh, something that we should all do. If you've ever been to a Latin Mass, for example, uh, and never been able to find your, your way through the Missal, um, because it's not in English, you might appreciate coming to this Mass because it is all in English. Right, Father? That's correct. Now, we were t- you were talking about your vocational story before we took the break, and you said you told your wife in a time when it was you're, you weren't going to get attacked <laughs> that you were going to convert from Episcopalianism to Catholicism because you had turned the corner. You, you saw the fullness of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm and the oneness that Jesus requires of us all. So she said to you, what? She simply said, when I said, I think I need to be Catholic, she said, me too. God bless her again. (laughs) She's a good woman. And she'd grown up Catholic, but you found your way home. Uh, Right. It was a coming home moment, right? Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. Tell us about your family, because uh, as a convert, you are married. You were married before, and I think doesn't the uh, rubrics of this part work similar to the diaconate, where if you were married before, mm-hmm. you need to stay married if, if you can, but if you lost your wife, say, to death, which would be horrible, but you would have to remain single at that, that time, That correct? is correct, and it's, of course, the same for our Eastern Catholic brethren as well as the Orthodox um, you know, St. Athanasius Catholic Church here in um, Indianapolis is Byzantine, and, and they just have a, got a new priest, and he's married as well. 
So he would have to follow that rule as well. If his wife died, he would have to remain single. Yes. So tell us about growing up in uh, Texas. I, I still am having a little trouble with this uh, Southern Baptist jump. Um, small town Texas, but I think you said conservative, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, Henrietta is a wonderful little town, a very great town. And, and yes, it is a pretty conservative, I guess you would say. And you have one brother? Uh, one brother. Living? And One brother living. Uh, my mom miscarried a, a second brother, I th- we think. Um, but yes, he lives there in my hometown with his family. And how did your mother and father, who are still living, I understand, mm-hmm. how did they take this? Are, the, are they still Southern Baptist? They are. They are still Southern Baptist. Um, my brother joined the Methodist Church with his wife. But yeah, they, you know, it was, uh, well, I think after everything I did, to become a priest in the Episcopal Church, I think it was just confusing for my parents that I would leave and become Catholic. And um, North Texas, especially where I'm from, is very Protestant uh, and not a not a great deal of knowledge about what it means to be Catholic. Um, and so I can understand the struggle there. But obviously, they they laid a good foundation for you. Oh, you absolutely. had the basics for oh, sure, yeah. and um, oh, yeah. that was built upon, and it was probably God's plan. Yeah, it, absolutely. It sure, wasn't one of our ideas, was it? We were all led by God. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I learned a great deal growing up in that little Baptist church. The Bible's word of God. Jesus Christ is definitely the Son of God, born of a virgin, and we're sinners. You know, the, that is the basics right there. That's the foundation, and you just built upon that. And God put the right people in your path, right? Absolutely, at the right times in your life that you were able to uh, make these these changes as you went along. Absolutely. Tell us about your family now. You have married and single children. Yes, um, my wife and I have been married for almost twenty eight years. My daughter, oldest Emma, just got married this last summer. <laughs> it was. Interesting. She wanted me to walk her down the aisle and do the service. So I uh, had my vestments on, my alb, cincture, and um, stole, walked her down the aisle. And then when I got up to the front, that had on the altar rail uh, my chasuble. So I walked her down, turned around, put the chasuble on, and started the service. So you're a man for all seasons there. And then our, our next child is um, Lillian. And uh, she just goes by Lily. She now lives with us, is going to IUPUI, studying environmental science. She is 20 and will be 21 in March. Then John Christopher, we call him Jack, after C.S. Lewis. That was C.S. Lewis's nickname. Um, he is first-year student. He is at Oakland City University, uh, which is a very small school down south of Bloomington. He's going there because they gave him a basketball scholarship. And then our youngest is um, Oliver, uh, Oliver Thomas, named after Thomas More, St. Thomas the Apostle, and then um, someone that helped in my conversion who died just a few years ago, Thomas Howard, who is actually a Catholic author, uh, written books. One you might have heard of is Evangelical's Not Enough. But yes, he's 11 and goes to Holy Name uh, School fifth grade. Oh, very good. So uh, one of the things that um, 
is in the Bible, and uh, I hope I get this right. Uh, Paul said it's better to be single uh, if you're going to be involved with the church because there's so much extra baggage mm-hmm. that comes with being married. How does that work out in your family? Well, you know, people have asked me that question, and and it's— People ask me that question, I just kind of turn it around on them and say, well, you know, am I really any busier than a doctor or a lawyer or something like that? And, um, yeah, it's it's a crazy schedule, um, and I do what I have to, but my my kids have been doing this uh, from the beginning, really, and, and they're used to it, and my wife's used to it. And Is it a path for everybody? No, but um, God brought me to this point. We've been talking to Father Jeffrey Moore today. Uh, he is at uh, St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne, which meets at Good Shepherd Parish uh, on the near south side of Indianapolis, near Troy and Shelby. Carson Shelby. Thank you so much, Father, for your avocation, your vocation, and your dedication to Christ. God bless you. This is Father Jeffrey Moore from St. Cuthbert of Lindisfarne Catholic Church. A prayer from St. John Henry Newman. God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I never may know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. Somehow I am necessary for his purposes, as necessary in my place as an archangel in his. If indeed I fail, he can raise another, as he could make the stones children of Abraham." Yet I have a part in this great work. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending it, if I do but keep his commandments and serve him in my calling. Amen. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org. For a long time, we've been telling you that if you have an Echo Dot or other smart speaker device, you can hear Catholic Radio Indy simply by saying, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Just the other day, I did that and Alexa was feeling a bit argumentative. I'll let you hear my conversation with her. Uh, Alexa, where are you? Here I am. What do you want? Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Now, just why would you want me to do that? Well, because we've got great programming 24 hours a day. Well, a lot of other radio stations have good programs, too. Yeah, but our programming talks about God and eternal salvation. I am very smart. I know almost everything about everything, but I do not know about God and salvation. Well, that's why people need Catholic Radio Indy. So, Alexa, do me a favor. Whenever anyone says, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy, just send them our way, would you? Yes, I will be happy to do that. In the meantime, I am going to do some research about that thing you called salvation. I wonder where I can find out more about that.